0: Our uh, scripture reading this morning is from uh, Luke sixteen nineteen to thirty one. Luke sixteen nineteen to thirty one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter sixteen. And as you're looking for that, for those who are visiting with us today, or maybe others who are regular attenders but need a refresher, we've been going through New Testament parables and uh, through the Gospels. And we're also following John Timmer's book, which is titled Kingdom Equation. We're reminded through his book, we're reminded as well that uh, parables often shock the listener. And that there's twists and and turns in some of the parables. We also learn that parables equate the unfamiliar kingdom of God with familiar experiences and circumstances of everyday life. Hence, Kingdom Equation unfamiliar with everyday life now today we look at somewhat of a difficult parable because at first glance it seems to not deal with everyday life on earth rather it's a conversation that's happening in the afterlife but as we read this parable we realize that it is still part of god's kingdom equation where the unfamiliar kingdom of god is equated into our everyday familiar life Now the plot in this story is somewhat unusual because the setting is in heaven and hell. And yet the main concern of this parable is not the next world, but it's this world. So yes, we may ask how can the kingdom of God be like two people talking between heaven and hell? But the parable is about God's kingdom here on earth today. It does speak of the present and how we can live in the kingdom of god today here on earth it gets us to ask how am i living in obedience to god's word am i a person of justice and love where in my life do i need to repent before it's too late so let's read together from luke 16:19 to 31 and before we do let's pray God Almighty, we give you thanks for opportunities to be together as your people in your presence, bringing praises to you, hearing words of assurance and grace from you, and also responding. And here we have again, Lord, a parable from Luke, where you will be teaching us and instructing us and just, again, reminding us of your amazing grace and love, how you love us and how we can love you and love one another. Lord, work in us through the power of your Holy Spirit as we go through this uh, passage this morning. um, Speak to us and open our hearts and minds to where we need to repent, where we need to change our lives. For your glory, in the name of Jesus, amen. Luke 16, 19 to 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side, and the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abram far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abram replied, Son, Son, so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abram replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abram, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, as we read this story, this passage this morning, and we talk about it, perhaps this story is less about a rich man and Lazarus, and maybe more about the five brothers, and how the five brothers are needing to reevaluate and readdress where their relationship and The five brothers represent us where our relationship with Jesus is today. How are we believing the gospel today and living out the gospel today? Our works and lack of works do not save us or damn us. But there are consequences that impact others and ourselves today and for eternity. Now the context of ancient Israel was a two-tier economic system. It included the rich and the poor. So the characters were rather unusual, were rather usual for the listeners, but the setting, as mentioned, was rather unusual. One setting being eternal life in heaven; the other setting, eternal death in Hades or Hell. Scripture is clear that heaven and hell are real places. There is an afterlife when we die. And there are two possible places one can spend eternity. Now, this is not a parable that is to scare the hell out of us, but a parable that is put to heaven into us. As with other parables, in most cases, things that occur in parables may or may not be the exact representation of life today or life to come. Scripture is clear in many passages that there is a heaven and there is a hell. We said that. But also in this parable, there's this dialogue that's happening. A dialogue that's happening between someone in heaven and someone, or someone in hell and someone in heaven. But the ability to converse between heaven and hell is not the point of the parable. In addition, this parable is not saying that if you are rich, you are hell bound, and if you are poor, you are heaven bound. In fact, there's irony that's going on in this story, is that the rich man in hell is talking to a rich man in heaven. Abraham was rich. It's also not stating that if you live very comfortably on earth, you'll live painfully in, in after death, and if you live painfully on earth, you'll have it made in the afterlife. That those who've been treated unjustly will get justice in the next life. The point of this parable is that there is a heaven, there is a hell. And how we choose to live in the kingdom of God today on earth is fruit of our faith. Our salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. We heard those uh, words from Ephesians 2 this morning. And how we choose to live our lives is indicative of our relationship with Jesus and our salvation. One of our members passed away last weekend, Doris Wilson. And at the funeral of Doris this week, one of her friends coined a phrase, which is very biblical. He said, we bear the fruit that comes from the root. We bear the fruit that comes from the root. With Jesus as our foundation, as our root, how can we not bear healthy blessed fruit so what fruit are we bearing in god's kingdom today it's an important question to ask ourselves again the fruit the fruit that we bear does not save us only jesus saves but the fruit that we bear is indicative of the root is jesus our root So let's look at these two characters for a moment. The rich man goes to hell, not because he's rich, but because of how he dealt with his riches. This is an extremely rich man. Scripture says he dressed to the nines and states that he lived in luxury every day. Now that's important because that means he did not take notice of the Sabbath day. And if he didn't take note of the Sabbath day, his servants would also have been mistreated as well because they would have had to work around the clock and they were not able to observe the Sabbath either. Now take note also in this passage that the rich man is not given a name. The rich man can be representative of anybody. He could be one of us. Just like anybody on the face of the earth, the rich man dies and he cannot take his stuff with him. Scripture states that this man was buried. Talks about a burial. He would have friends and he would have had family and, and would have had a burial for a wealthy man. The eulogy at the rich man's funeral was probably very positive. I mean, he, I'm sure, we're sure he did many good things. He was a prominent citizen and, and entertained several guests and was always generous host to his friends. So this rich man's wealth and actions did not result in eternal death, is what he failed to do, which resulted in an unrepentant life. It was sins of omission, and that he did not change his life. He failed to love God. He failed to love his neighbor. He failed to bear fruit in the name of Jesus. The rich man, while in hell, he talks to Abraham, and you might think, "Well, what's Abraham got to do with it?" I guess you can kind of look at it now. When we talk about stories um, and sometimes jokes about heaven, we talk about the pearly gates, and Saint Peter meets someone at the pearly gates. In Old Testament, Saint Peter wasn't around yet, and so Abraham. They use Abraham. You meet him at the pearly gates, and so Abraham's in this picture. And he's important because this rich man refers three times to Abraham as father. So the rich man he recognizes the Jewish connection that he has to Abraham. The rich man was probably circumcised on the eighth day according to Jewish law. Probably tried to follow all the laws as possible, but the, and also recognizes his connection to Abraham. But the Jewish connection doesn't gain him eternal life. Yes, Christianity is who you know. But only if you have a relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So the rich man is asking for relief while in hell and and probably wonders, like, how could he possibly have gotten there? It's difficult to know what you've done wrong when you need to repent of things that you didn't even do sins of omission. He failed to love, love God and love his neighbor. The other character is a poor man or beggar and he's actually given a name and his name is Lazarus and Lazarus means God helps. Now this poor man must have been very sick because he couldn't bring himself anywhere while on earth. This poor man had people to care for him. And people brought him every day to the gate of the rich man. And we're told that the dogs licked his sores. The dogs were paying attention to him. But this rich man wasn't. We also know that the rich man was aware that Lazarus was there. Because when the two died, the rich man recognizes the beggar and even knows him by name. We're also told that Lazarus was too poor to have any burial. As noted that the angels just carried him heaven, to angels to Abraham's side. And Lazarus is included in this story, but he's not involved in the conversation. And then there's more irony in this story, because Lazarus was the beggar on earth, and now he's comforted in heaven. And the rich man had everything on earth, and now he becomes a beggar in hell. He's begging for pity from Abram. And Abram states nothing can possibly be done. The rich man, med- the rich beggar rather, had his opportunity. So the focus of this parable then has the listener make a shift, a shift back to earth and to those who are left behind. And the parable turns to the five brothers. And just like the rich man is not named, neither are these five brothers. And these five brothers, again, can represent anybody. They can represent us. And hell must be pretty bad. Because this rich beggar wants his brothers to turn their lives around and repent. The reply is that nobody is without excuse because the law of Moses and the prophets are available. Now keep in mind that the Old Testament was the Bible at this time. There was no New Testament in print yet or on the scrolls. So, of course, Jesus himself, he is the living word, and he is sharing the gospel message. But the point is that none of us are without excuse when we have the word of God. And in this parable, Abraham brings up Moses and the prophets. And the law of Moses is lingo. It's language for the covenant that God made with Israel. It is the five books of Scripture from Genesis to Deuteronomy. The prophets are the rest of the Old Testament. And what we find in these books are several stories. We find several laws. And the laws of Moses are not there, again, to earn our salvation. Because that possibly can't be done. We are sinners, and our natural tendency would be to fall short if it were not for the saving work of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. But the law of Moses encourages us to live our lives in response. In response of gratitude for all that God has done through his faithfulness and his grace. And many of the laws are for our own good and also for the good of humanity. And we, today, we now have the New Testament as well. Where the laws are quite simply summarized as love God, love our neighbor. God desires for us to have compassion and justice for one another. How is that love being lived out in our lives today in the name of Jesus? Again, our love and our compassion and our justice for one another, it doesn't earn us anything. But the fruit that we bear is on account of the work that God has done through His Son. The fruit is on account of the root. So as Abraham points to Moses and the laws and living our lives out of gratitude, he also points and takes note of the prophets. Because the prophets reflect what Moses said. The prophets, again, bring God's people to attention to God's covenantal promises and faithfulness. Prophets are not only about foreseeing the future, but actually they're more about discerning, discerners of living out our lives in the kingdom today. A prophet is a mouthpiece for God, pleading with God's people to turn to him today, or else tomorrow may be doom. The kingdom here on earth is just a small moment compared to our eternal life or eternal death. But how we live our lives in this small moment are indicative of who we live our lives for. Are we living our lives for Jesus? As that cadet song goes, live our lives for Jesus. Or are we living our lives for ourselves? We can often spend money and time and effort on ourselves, on cars and cottages and entertainment, going out with friends on Friday or Saturday. And is that the extent of how we live? Because I hope not. The rich beggar is in hell, and his five brothers, people on earth, still have an opportunity. To enter into a relationship with jesus christ and to repent to change lives to live lives for jesus we can repent and live lives of justice we can repent and share our finances and our possessions and our spiritual gifts and our time with those in need we can repent and be advocates for refugees and others who are being treated unjustly in this world We're to repent and listen to God's word obediently and thankfully and share this amazing message with so many others. Love is expressed in how we treat people and share our gifts with people and share God's word with people in his kingdom today. Sharing physical and spiritual blessings. I think too often we talk about people needing to repent because they are living this way or living that way they they need to repent for things that they've done but people of God i think many of us are unaware of the things we need to repent for what do we need to repent of for something we haven't done lord have mercy on us But what does God's word command us? Well, the Old Testament, prophet Micah, summarized in Micah 6, verse 8, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? And gems and leaders, you can help answer. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Micah 6, verse 8. The New Testament, it can be summarized to love God and to love one another and make disciples of all nations. And how many people have we brought to the Lord this week? Or at least shared the gospel message? Lord, have mercy. There's ample opportunity for people to repent and turn to God. A couple of weeks ago, we heard about how God is extravagant with his love and how he initiates his relationship with his people. And this was the story that we heard through the prodigal son and prodigal God. How God comes to us even before we repent and God forgives us and calls sinners to him without any strings attached. God extends his amazing grace to his unrepentant people to us. But if we do nothing in return, if we choose to have no response, then that is us treating God's amazing grace as cheap grace. When our God gives us so much grace, how can we not respond to Him by loving Him and loving His people? How can we not respond in striving to be obedient to Him through His Word and sharing His Word with others? Abram refused to provide a sign to the five brothers because there's enough evidence to point our focus and attention on the Lord. In fact, Scripture in places refers to even creation being enough evidence. Read in Romans. And this parable points to God's word giving us evidence enough to point our focus to God. And to all that God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. So we got to ask ourselves where is our focus? Where is our attention? Are we ignoring God and His Word when it comes to our possessions and finances? Are we ignoring God and His Word when it comes to mission and discipleship making and justice? I think too many of us, myself included, are kind of just simply coasting in life and so often pointing our fingers at others and forgetting to seek God and asking Him to show us our shortfalls and our sins. This parable is told to the Pharisees and others around Jesus as well. It's directed to the self righteous And where are we self-righteous or just plain selfish? The rich man called Abram his father, as mentioned, three times in this parable. The rich man knew he was from the line of Abram and that he was Jewish. And just like the Pharisees, do we call God our father and yet neglect God's children, our brothers and sisters around us? Do we call God our Father and neglect to follow his will that is laid out quite simply for us in Scripture? Do we neglect to love God and to love our neighbor? Often saying the words, our Father who art in heaven doesn't get us into heaven. Only a relationship with Jesus does. And how are each of us responding spiritually to God today in his kingdom? How are you responding physically and through the fruits responding to God today in his kingdom? And what does it mean for us to repent from our sins and to turn our hearts and our eyes towards God and his people? Friends, it is by grace that you are saved through faith in the powerful name of Jesus. And Jesus has extended this amazing grace to each of us. So let us respond to God in living out our salvation, obeying his word, and living out his word thankfully in our lives today and growing God's kingdom here on earth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to stand for the closing the prayer response and we'll go right into singing the song of response, Speak O Lord. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. So make us hungry for your word and may it nourish us today and beyond in the ways of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven.